0: Hello, my darling pop culture junkies. Happy Thursday. It's Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays, and I'm your host, Brooke Hammerling. Pop
1: culture on
0: Thursdays. Hey guys, I'm back. We're back. We're back in action. I missed you. I missed doing this. It was, I I have to say though, the reason I didn't do it because I do the podcast when I'm traveling, I feel sort of like cool traveling around with my mic and my setup. It's fun. I like doing it on the road, but I was told just like security in Israel would be difficult and me coming in with a mic and no media sort of credentials or whatnot might be confusing and create some challenging questions. So I just was like, you know what, I'm not going to do it. And it's good because when I would normally record the podcast, first of all, it was also a 10 hour difference. So David, my producer would be like, what the book, but also like If you haven't been to Israel, I, I, listen, I got so much feedback from people, some people who were very upset over my enthusiasm for Israel and no place is perfect. There's a lot of problems. I understand the history of Israel is phenomenal. What I was so profoundly impacted by and uh, because it was so unexpected to me, was to see how many worlds live together in Israel. There are obviously Israelis, Jewish Israelis, but there are also so many different types of Jewish groups. There are regular, you know, people who are not practicing and that they're culturally Jewish to the ultra, ultra Orthodox, which is where the division is mainly right now because the ultra Orthodox, I get my understanding is they don't have to pay taxes the same way. And they're, they don't have to serve in the military. And that's a big deal, especially now, because they also have like 12 children. So they're becoming more of the majority. And what my understanding was, it's a lot of problems in Israel politically, very similar to America. They're very upset with their leader, Bibi, uh, Netanyahu, besties with Trump, very similar. Uh, Bibi's a really smart guy and has been in leadership for a long time. I do believe power corrupts. I do believe that people with democratic tendencies and stay in power too long can become dictators. Taters in their minds and viewpoints. And Bibi's done, I, I won't even try, this is not a political podcast. I'm not here to talk about what he's done and whatnot, but he's trying to stay out of prison. That much is clear. And he's aligned his government to stay in power with people that he might not necessarily have done or agreed with in the past, and these are ultra conservatives. There is a big rise in ultra conservative behavior happening in Israel. Lots of of examples of men refusing women to enter a train or a bus. There's a lot of that happening right now, and that's the ultra orthodox and and so forth. So there are protests. I happen to be there on the night of the thirty third protests of an, in a row of a Saturday. And that means there have been Saturday protests in the center of Tel Aviv every night for the last 34 weeks. And now I think it's this Saturday will be 36 weeks. 200,000 people all congregate in the center of Tel Aviv. to hundred thousand people. And what also was interesting about that is every single one of them is carrying an Israeli flag, a big flag, like not the little, like little tiny ones. I'm talking big, waving them around everyone. And not only that, it's men and women and children and grandparents and babies and strollers and pregnant women and young, old, everybody's come together. And, and interestingly, the night that I was there, it was the night that it was about women Um, So it was all women. The the founder of this protest is a woman. And all of the speakers were women. Netta, who is like my favorite. We've talked about her in the past in the newsletter. So Netta, who is the Israeli singer, pop star, amazing. She won Eurovision a few years ago. She's incredible. I'm going to put a video of hers in the show notes. So you understand how like incredible. She's saying... group. Let let me even restart. My friends tell me, meet us at this square at eight o'clock. I'm like, okay, I had been in Israel for like 36 hours at this point. And I was like, how do I find you in this square? Like I'm a New Yorker. I'm I'm pretty self-sufficient, but I've never been to this place. And from everything I've heard, these, these protests were huge. And she's like, don't worry, like we'll find you. And she dropped her pin, but it's like in the general area. As I approach this square, the sound, the roars of the crowds, the thousands, tens of thousands of flags, this overwhelming rush of people, I was like, I don't know where the fuck I am. How am I going to find, it's like finding a needle in the haystack. Like everyone is wearing the same clothes, carrying the same flags. Like I, it's a hundred degrees. It's eight o'clock at night. I have no idea what's going on. And I, but people were like, look, could tell that I was sort of looking around and asking if like, I wanted to show them the pin, like what's the pin? Everybody knows where the pin is. And then I just took a picture of exactly where I was and sent it to my friend. And she was there in two minutes, two minutes. And it's not like, I was like, ah! this is so crazy. And she's like, obviously I found you like stop making such a big deal out of nothing. I was like in a sea of 200,000 people, you found me. To me, it's astonishing. Another astonishing thing is when you started to think about if we are in America in a crowd of 200,000 people all carrying American flags, it's a very different event. And that's so crazy to me. I mean, I think about as a kid growing up and like, you know, 4th of July celebrations, we'd all carry our flags and have flags hanging from our houses and the cars. And the MAGA folks and Donald Trump have co-opted The United States of America, our flag, and it is no longer a symbol of what it was intended to be. It is now a symbol of being a, it's so crazy how that could happen, the symbolism of it. And so if you were in a a crowd of 200,000 people all waving American flags, likely it's an insurrection. Likely it's a bunch of mentally ill people, sorry, facts. Likely it's a bunch of violent, racist, homophobic people. And likely there would have been, you know, absolute chaos, no silence, no decorum, no respect of each other. And that was the exact opposite of what happened when I was at this protest. It was when, when people were speaking, everyone was silent. 200,000 people, you could Hear a pin drop. It was incredible. Everybody was there with their children and people were crying, people were celebrating. And what my friend tried to describe me, Danielle Goldstein, you are amazing. What she said to me was that for so long, Israelis have become sort of lazy in the sense that they took it for granted. Like they finally got their homeland. They finally have Israel and they became successful as a very big tech center. Israel became a very liberal place and you sort of, as we did in America, took it for granted. We took our women's rights for granted. Of course, it's going to always be there. It's never not going to be there until it's no longer there. And so what she's saying is that now these protests have allowed sort of the Israeli people to come together again and be reminded that it's a very fragile system and that we can't take it for granted and that we have to be active and they have to vote and they have to have a voice and they have to have an impact and not that BB gives a shit about the protest and that's not going to change his mind. But what it is is it's getting people activated and it's not losing steam. Like in America, there is no way we would, we would all run out of like, (laughs) Our attention spans would not be able to accommodate 34 weeks of protests. It's just not gonna happen. But in Tel Aviv it did. And that city is alive, I have to say, and I am still recovering. Yoni Bloch, I have to tell you, back to the mic situation. So we started this conversation with why I didn't do the podcast because I heard security was tough. And let me tell you, it's no joke. L all is no joke. I didn't think I was getting to the ticket counter at LAX. The security was so crazy that the woman at El Al did not comprehend why I was going to Israel by myself, that I wasn't married, that I wasn't a member of a synagogue, that I wasn't a member of a Jewish community, that I didn't know any Hebrew words other than shalom, that I wasn't Jewish, but I was, I was trying not to lie. So she's like, but you're Jewish. No, like Elizabeth Brooke, not Jewish, Hammerling Jewish. I might present as Jewish. And I was like, well, I'm not, I am, but I didn't practice. And apparently that was the wrong thing to say. And then my passport, which we've talked about in the past here, because I had passport issues is brand new, no stamps in it. And they used to have a situation where people would have two passports, maybe still do people who had business in Saudi Arabia or Syria or Jordan or wherever, I guess Jordan's fine, but other middle Eastern places, that wouldn't recognize Israel and Israel wouldn't recognize them. So you couldn't have a passport with stamps from those countries and go into Israel and vice versa. So that, I don't know if that still exists or it's sort of, sort of moved on, but I have a brand new passport and she was very suspicious of this. She didn't understand. She kept saying like, you must have another passport. No, no, no. Like, have you ever been to Iran? I was like, I assure you, I have never been to Iran. I will never go to Iran. There was a lot of that. She asked me if I'd been to Dubai, And I, I have, but like as a stopover, but she asked me where I stayed. I was like, it was like 12 years ago. It was, it was a lot. And I mean, I was pulled aside. There was a a whole bunch of interrogations uh, happening. And believe it or not, there was a guy, the only other guy pulled aside was a guy who showed up at the airport for his flight to Tel Aviv, not Jewish guy, in board shorts, a tank top, flip flops, no suitcase. He had a like little knapsack and did not have a return ticket. And he was like, why am I going to return? The women are beautiful. He's like, I'll get a ticket when I'm ready. I'm there to see the, see the sights, see the ladies, go get all the food. And they, I was like, this guy's no, and he did not get on that plane. But I, I was like, I'm here. And so then they asked me why I was going and who I knew. And I was told that that would be a question. So I said, I was going to see my friend Yoni Block and he was going to perform. And this woman was like, Yoni Block, the musician, how would you know Yoni Block? And I was like, it's Yoni. Uh, It's Yoni is my friend. She couldn't. And that is when I really understood the depth of fame for which Yoni has in Israel, because then she called people over and I had to show pictures that I knew Yoni. I had to pull up texts between me and Yoni. I had to give them Yoni's phone number. I'm sorry, Yoni. So it was, that was like 30 minutes of like full on heart palpitations. And I wasn't even going to get, I'm the girl that didn't even make the cut to get to the ticket counter at LAX. But all in all, I got in and I hit the ground running. Israel is hot in August. It was amazing. I got to see Yoni perform at this venue that's really famous in Tel Aviv called the Barbie, which is unfortunately closing after I think like 30 years or something because of same issues as we have here, landlord issues. So the Barbie is moving to a new location, but it was like amazing to see thousands of like 16 year olds screaming for Yoni in Hebrew. Some of these kids were not even born when Yoni first put out music. So it's so crazy to me. We had the best time. Went to Jerusalem. Unbelievable. That was the other thing I wanted to say is that both in Tel Aviv, so Tel Aviv, you have very liberal, it's very progressive. You have probably a lot of people who are not very religious and you also have very religious. You also have Jaffa, Gaffa, however you want to pronounce it, which is the other side. It's like sort of think of the coast and the north part of the beach, and I I might be wrong, but in my mind, it's the North part. It's sort of like Miami beach in the seventies. You have the Hilton and the Kempinski and you have all the big hotels and you have like all these cafes and bars on the ocean and it, everybody lives this sort of beach life. And then further down at the other end of the beach is the Arab part of Israel, which is Jaffa, Jaffa. I don't know. People told me different ways. And there's a Soho house there, FYI. And there is a beaut- another beautiful hotel right on the water that I would love to stay at, which is the Satai. And it's a very different vibe. That is a very old town, very historical, beautiful architecture. Whereas Tel Aviv, like sort of Tel Aviv, center of Tel Aviv, feels like a city built in like the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. So you, you have a real mix, but you also have Arabs who live there. And you have, you know, very religious people who live in Israel, in Tel Aviv and non-religious people and foreigners. You have a lot of Ethiopians. You have, it's just a real mix of people. And then in Jerusalem, I mean, this should tell you, I can't believe I'm acknowledging this because I've I'm like, yes, Jerusalem I'm going and I was raised Christian, but I'm Jewish. So I'm very interested in the historical sort of understandings of those worlds. Jerusalem is this like, it's the craziest, it's like the West village, the size of the West village in New York. And it's literally the center of Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Like, do, 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 Like, you know, this is where Muhammad came in his vision and he was here. This is where Jesus walked and, and died. This is where Judaism was born and where they came back to. It's wild. It's, Incredible. I will say that my Jewish friends who took me on the tour of the Christian church where Jesus is, it's built around the cave where Jesus was buried and allegedly, allegedly resurrected miracle that's there. But they, my friends are like, it's like Disney world to them. Like that's, that's like going to, you know, pirates of the Caribbean ride. kind of thing. So there, but it was incredible, but there's the Jewish part of town. There's the Islamic part of town. There is the Christian part of town and they all blend into one another and everybody is so respectful. And I know there is obviously massive geopolitical issues. I did not go to the Gaza Strip as all of that, but I cannot speak enough about the people that I met there and the food is to die for it's out of this world it is the respect for food and that brings me to where we are today oh and by the way if i had had a mic in that bag going to Tel Aviv, that lady, there was no way I would have either not gotten on that plane. I would have had to turn over the mic because it would have looked like I was going there as a journalist and it would have been a fiasco. So just to close the loop on that, but we respect food. I respect food. I did a food tour. If you guys thank you to Caroline Hudak, my dear friend and listener of this podcast, she turned me on to this food tour called Delicious Israel. They were amazing. The only negative about it I had was that I I, email. I booked them on Google and the owner of the, the tour company reached out to me and <laughs> God, I can't believe I'm saying this. It's so embarrassing. She's like, she, we had to move the day around or whatnot. And then she's like, I'm so sorry to ask you this, but, um, I'm just looking at your name. Are you friends with Kara Swisher? This is like, my worst fucking nightmare. Literally I'm in Israel, this Israeli woman who runs this organ, this, this company. And I was like, What? Why? Yeah. And she's like, I think you're, didn't you go to Taylor Swift with Kara Swisher? She talks about it. And I saw it on her Instagram and I was like, this is literally my hell. And I said I wasn't going to tell Kara and I didn't tell Kara for about 2.8 seconds. I held it and then I had to tell Kara because I was so annoyed. Um, And she was like, obviously, obviously. So I couldn't even escape Kara Swisher in Tel Aviv, or Jerusalem, or anywhere. All of Israel knows Kara. Nobody asked me about Kara in the Dead Sea, but that's because we were all boiling like lobsters as we bobbed up and down in that freaking water, which was like 100,000 degrees, and it was hotter in the water than it was outside, which is hard to imagine. But the thing about Israel that everybody sort of congregates around is food. Whether, regardless of your culture, regardless of your religious, you know, station in life, everybody comes together about the food. The food is exquisite. And you have a desert country that did not produce food a hundred years ago, and now is producing the most unbelievable bounty of food. I mean, you had lychees that are made in Israel. You had the most incredible produce and meat and cuisine, and it's incredible. And what they don't do is waste food. Food is very much a celebrated part of the life in Israel. It is everybody comes together and eats and it's a big part of, you know, if you're Jewish, you understand when you have seders and all that, it's, it is a big part of the culture and the life. And one of the things I wrote about in the newsletter this week was this, this trend that sort of took off before I I was back from Israel. It took off when I was in Israel called the crack and egg trend or whatever on TikTok, wasting food no respect for food, no respect for children. And what it was for seemingly like, I don't have kids, but I said this in the newsletter, like I have a dog who I treat like my child. Basically. I know that my dog is not a human being. I understand my dog doesn't have the same brain capacity as a human. I understand that he is not my child, but I respect my dog more than some of these parents respected their children. And what they did was, thinking it's funny because they want some clicks, they want some views, they want some likes, is they set their camera up and they're showing, they're playing in the kitchen with their kids. They're like, I'm going to make a meal, da 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 da. And they're holding an egg. Each one of them is holding an egg. And the, maybe the mom is trying to show the kid how to crack an egg on a bowl or on some sort of ruse. And then all of a sudden, they crack this head out of the blue on the kid's head. And sometimes it breaks, sometimes it doesn't. Just the shock value. Like this child was completely unaware of what was happening. There's a shock. It might've hurt. It might've flustered them. It might've scared them, whatever. And then the kid nine times out of 10, like starts to cry. And then the parent, thinks it's funny and starts laughing. And this is content. This becomes content and is put out on TikTok. And I was watching, I was like, this isn't fucking funny. I wouldn't do it to my dog. Like potato would be traumatized if I cracked an egg egg on potato. But I also know that my dog would then take that and be like, oh, I guess that's what I do with eggs. Because my dog is a brilliant animal, obviously. So he would start cracking eggs. But that's obviously what the kids are going to do. Anyway, there were then a big reaction to that very similar to what, what I was like. And, People then were calling those people Karen. So like some people are saying like, this is bad for kids. Here's a proper way to do this challenge. Sort of walk them through it, talk them through it, give them the opportunity to say, would you like to crack an egg on my head? May I crack an egg on your head? I mean, this is, listen, I'm a Gen Xer. I was hotboxed as a kid. I was left in a car with cigarettes burning with the windows shut. We had no air conditioning. We had no seat belts. We were thrown in the back of station wagons 13 of us, faces up against the back window, looking at truckers. We were left to drink water out of sprinklers. I was given no rules. The fact that we're alive and still have teeth is a miracle. I am not a sensitive being. I am not a delicate flower. My mother never cracked an egg on my face. She never did that. Like we weren't animals. My mom, I mean, hit me with a wooden spoon every now and then. Sure. But guess what she did? She said, I'm going to hit you with a wooden spoon right now. The wooden spoon is coming. I was aware of what was going to happen. So I don't call me or whoever is critical of being Karens or overly sensitive or delicate flowers. Like you just don't do that to a kid for your, own shits and giggles for content. It was really bad and wasteful of food. And then I love, there's this one guy, this, this hilarious, like doctor who talked about the, all the perils. It took it a little far, just like the dangers of raw egg. And I was like, oh, please come on. Like we all eat cookie dough, just give it a rest. But you know, it's always somebody who takes it to the, takes it a little too far. Like, yeah, just bring it back a bit. But here's the deal. Don't crack Eggs or like do f- do things to little children, especially these weren't 10 and 12 year olds, 14-year-olds who maybe like were in on the prank. These are like two-year-olds. <laughs> these kids are gonna be in therapy. Thank you very much, mom and dad, for a long time about their parents like smashing eggs on their faces and their safety net broken. They realized in that moment that Santa Claus did not exist. So that is that. A respect your food. Respect your children. It's pretty simple. The other things that have been happening, and I wrote a lot about it, but you may have heard of this song called The Rich Men North of Richmond. And you may not have heard it for any other reason other than it was referenced in the um, Republican debate. And what it is, is, it, so it's a rich men north of Richmond, and it's this very normal ginger guy with a long beard who looks just like any guy in any small town in America, his t-shirt, very folksy, plays guitar, definitely got a great mic set up because the audio was great. This wasn't like recorded on an iPhone and he became an overnight sensation his name is Oliver Anthony. And this, I mean, at least it's probably more, but since I published, it had 46 million views on YouTube and probably about 30 million streams on Spotify. And I'll just read you some of the lyrics and we'll, we'll play a little, but, um, I've been selling my soul working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay. So I can sit out here and waste my life away, drag back home and drown my troubles away. It's It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me and people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is. Living in the new world with an old soul, these rich men north of Richmond, Lord knows they all just want to have total control, want to know what you think, want to know what you do. And they don't think you know, but I know that you do because your dollar ain't shit and it's taxed to no end because of rich men north of Richmond. And then actually I'm just going to read the whole thing because it's actually interesting. We'll get into it. I wish politicians would look out for minors and not just minors on an island somewhere. Different spelling. That was minors as the child. The other one is for minors as in the minds. Lord, we got folks in the street ain't got nothing to eat and the obese and welfare. So it gets a little controversial. Well, God, if you're five foot three and you're 300 pounds, taxes ought not to pay for your bags of fudge rounds. Young men are putting themselves six feet in the ground because all this damn country does is keep on kicking them down. Lord, it's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me and people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is, oh, it is. Yeah, the last lines are, I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay. So this is a rallying cry for a lot. There are some, hmm, you know not awesome things, dog whistle stuff, if you will, the welfare, fat people, fudge rounds, like we can assume what he's trying to say there. And it's not a stretch for the Republican right wing, certainly to sort of take that as their anthem. I can understand why they thought he was speaking as one of them. Like, Oh, this is one of our MAGA guys. We're going to embrace him. This guy speaks for us because he came out a swinging. He came out a swinging. And after all of like, you know, the crazy Trumpies were like, this is our man, this guy, he's everything. Oliver Anthony was like, you know what? Go fuck yourselves. This is about all of you. This is not about Biden. This isn't about one party. This is about all of you. So if there is anything for
1: me to address at all with you, it's that the one thing that has bothered me is seeing people wrap politics up into this. It's aggravating seeing people on conservative news try to identify with me like I'm one of them. It's aggravating seeing certain musicians and politicians act like we're buddies and, and act like we're fighting the same struggle here, like that we're trying to present the same message. I've had a lot of people reach out to me and I've tried to be polite to everybody and I've talked to hundreds of people the last two weeks. But it seems like certain people want to just ride the attention of the song to maybe make them, their own selves relevant and that's aggravating as hell. The other thing that I find aggravating is, well, you know, like it was funny seeing my song in the presidential debate because it's like I wrote that song about those people you know, so for them to have to sit there and listen to that—that uh, that cracks me up. But <laughs> it was funny, kind of seeing the response to it. Like that song has nothing to do with Joe Biden. You know, it's a lot bigger than Joe Biden. That song's written about the people on the on that stage, and a lot more too—not just them, but but definitely them. Okay.
0: So that song has, you know, I think it's died down a bit. Certainly the Republicans have like stopped talking about it a little bit, but the Republicans in music, they just get themselves in trouble so much. I mean, we had Donald Trump has been sent so many cease and desist by bands saying you cannot play our fucking music at your rallies. Like you are out of your mind. And then the latest one that just happened, I think today the Republican candidate Vivek, the 34-year-old who thinks he knows everything in Silicon Valley, seems to love him. Has been rapping Eminem. Yeah, you've seen it. He did it in Iowa. He's doing it. It's cringe. It makes you want to literally throw your phone out the window and not not ever think about this ever again. He is rapping Eminem. Well, as of today. This was Tuesday that I'm recording. I don't know what day it is. Eminem sent a cease and desist to him. It's so great. You are not to perform my music. We will come after you. Like, I don't think they understand. Maybe these guys think that they'll just get away with it or nobody cares. Like, they're going to sue them. They have lawyers. Like, it is infringement. Just like, I can't play, like, a minute of music because they'll come after my little podcast. Like you're an idiot, Vivek. You're an idiot. All of you people who use it and Democrats too, like just don't use music unless you get sign off. It's easy. It's easy to do. You'll probably get a no. And that's what you want to hold the apologize later bullshit. You look like douches. And now Eminem is out there making you look even douchier than you looked. And Eminem is going to destroy you. And it brings me joy, Vivek. It brings me joy. Just simmer the fuck down, all of you. Just just simmer down. Uh, Listen to some Miley Cyrus, who has a banger of a song out right now, but it's all about Miley Cyrus being old. She's not young anymore because she's 30. She's all grown up. Meanwhile, I was dancing on tables, drinking shots of tequila and smoking cigarettes in Tel Aviv. Sorry. Sorry, but I'm 49 years old, having the time of my life. So Miley, it's not over. Don't go into a retirement home anytime soon. You've still got a lot of life in you. But I say this and contradict myself, because the last thing I want to talk about is Mrs. Roper. Do no no Yeah. I mean, Three's Company was my life. It it was a show I grew up on. I think it even started like in the late 70s. It's before the 80s. You had an unbelievable cast, unbelievable icons. I mean, Suzanne Somers, hello, hello, iconic. She's everything. I'm friends with her son and daughter-in-law and I love them so much because they're amazing and brilliant and incredible and clearly have an amazing mother, mother-in-law. Three's company was everything. I definitely wanted to be Chrissy and not Janet. Sorry. It was like a brunette blonde thing, but Janet was just like a little tightly wound. But the person who clearly connected with me, and I should have known that I was Jewish at that time because I was raised to be Waspy, was Mrs. Roper. Mrs. Roper is like the Yenta Jewish, like grandmother. She wore her schmatas. She was always in like her, all of her beaded jewelry and she had like the red curls and she was always trying to like get sex with her husband who had no interest. And it was just hilarious. She was a hilarious part of that show. And she is seeing, unfortunately the actress is no longer alive, but she's getting her dues now. 2023, a generation has come to life bringing Mrs. Roper back. She was the OG golden girl, my guys. She is OG. She walked. So Dorothy and Sophia and Blanche and Rose Nyland could run. That is Mrs. Roper's legacy until now and now there seems to be a trend with perhaps I should say middle-aged women maybe but you know a certain genre of us who all around America are doing Mrs. Roper pub crawls. (laughs) And they're getting in their long flowery dresses. They putting wigs on. You have the whole the whole thing, and they're all going out. And it is so kitsch and so fun. And I'm obsessed with it. I love this idea. The videos are so funny. I mean, some of the TikToks use the the uh, theme music for Three's Company, but then others use like sort of sappy music. And you're like, this is this is like hitting me. It's hitting me right where like that. Beautiful happy spot is. So, if anybody wants to do a Mrs. Roper pub crawl with me, I am all for it. I mean, I'm sure the kids in LA would be horrified. I mean, the influencers certainly in West Hollywood would be like, What is going on? Like, who are these people? Why are they doing that to themselves? Why are all these fat old ladies running around? Oh my God. But the joke's on you, joke's on you, kids. That's really it. The only other thing that's happened has been like fashion moments this week. The artist formerly known as Kanye West and his weird... Wife. every news outlet puts wife in quotation marks. So I don't know what that means. Like maybe they're not legally married, but their outfits have gotten more and more outrageous. She wears these like ridiculous body suits that we saw Kim sort of starting to wear. And now this woman's taking it to another level, but also the girlfriend needs a bra. I just, I need to say it to her like, or a little breast lift, like just needs a little something, something there. But that's not even the biggest controversy in Venice this week. They were on a gondola and Kanye has his pants all the way down. It's a rear picture literally of his naked rear end on that. Gond- like that gondola needs to be, you know, and anybody who's putting their genitalia on a public thing, like a boat that other people have to get on is just not considerate. Like don't put your bare feet on it. Don't sit your ass on it. You know, put some underwear on, put some underwear, pull your pants up. So there are lots of photos of, Kanye's rear end for all of us to enjoy. And then the last thing is Justin Bieber and Hailey Bieber. It's quite funny. It's a big meme going around, but Hailey Bieber's out there promoting something for her road. I think it's a beauty line. Everybody's got a brand. Listen, regardless, I don't know if she's a nice person. I don't really have any indication to know anything about her. She's a beautiful girl. Beautiful girl, looks great in clothes, body like that, I would wear every possible tiny little garment sent my way. She has the body unbelievably stylish. She is always put together. She even if she's in like streetwear, she's put together. But lately she's been like rocking these little red dresses and and stiletto heels and whatnot. And And Justin looks like he's literally woken up from like sleepaway camp after being away in the Adirondacks for three months. He is always following her in a, you know, pajama pants and slides and a sweatshirt and a hoodie and like everything oversized. And he looks like a homeless kid with his gorgeous, glamorous wife and everybody on TikTok is like, do you think that they like live in the same world? Do you think that they like, where is he going versus where she's going, even though they're together going to the same thing? Like where, what is going on in their minds? Like there's no respect there. This poor girl is like doing the work And this guy shows up like literally looking like a homeless drug addict So anyway, Godspeed That's what the kids are talking about this week And I'm going to go We're going to have a pod next week I am going to write the newsletter But it's going to be out on Tuesdays And then the pod will be out on Thursday But it is, I am writing I'm taking Labor Day off I'm going to write on Tuesday So just keep in mind, little ones My Mary, make out mute I would, oh Lord, I, the, the, the pictures in Esquire of Sam Taylor Johnson. I don't know if you guys have seen them. I'll put a link in the show notes. I mean, listen, he's married to a woman who's a few years older than me. So I don't feel that dirty talking about him because he's so young, but the, it, this, this man has, I, like I have no words like Jeremy Allen white. Is that his name? Jeremy out, whatever lip from shameless. Who's the bear now? Unbelievable. So hot. Love him. He's gorgeous. Little guy covered in tattoos. There's a meme going around about this. Like we're not able to watch him because we're still in therapy to stay away from men like that. But then you have Aaron Taylor Johnson. His wife is Sam Taylor Johnson. She's a director. She, they, this man, I just go look at the pictures. So that would be my make out. I don't think I could marry him because I wouldn't be able to live and I wouldn't I would have nothing else to do. I would just be like I'm married to this man. So I just want to make out. Just a little make out. I know that my friends are friends with him that are listening to this. So I'm not being offensive. I'm just in a fantasy. I would fully make out with him. I god. marry. I mean I, I might have to put, I don't know. I don't really, I feel very blessed right now that I'm not married to anybody because there have been some, I'm, I'm sort of inundated with content coming around. That's like about bad breakups So I'm just sort of glad I'm not in that because falling in love is great. I love being in love, but falling out of love sucks. So I'm just going to put a pin on marriage for this end of summer one. We can go back to that. I know this is all fantasy, but I fantasy I'm not marrying anybody. Um, and then mute. I mean, there's not enough time in the day, but I think I would mute all of the Republican nominees right now. Just It's just so much noise. We don't need it this soon. Like we don't need 20 people on a panel talking at each other and saying ridiculously outlandish things. If you notice, I have not mentioned the former president and his mugshot and all the mugshots. It's like, uh, you know, another day, another dollar, like blah, blah, blah. It's out there. Great. Have fun. Date set for March. We have a fucking rock show of a world ahead of us during the next year and a half or two years or whatnot. I just like, give us a little break. Like Vivek, shut the fuck up. Like all of you guys, just simmer down. So mute, mute them all. And that is it. Thanks for being on this wild ride with me today. Thanks, David.